need to get rid of those pesky dead branches near the top of your tree? Too lazy to get the ladder for outdoor Christmas lights? Is Deborah from Sales running her bird beak again? New from Fuego Fire, the number one leader in corporate fire starting, the Fuego Flamethrower. Who cares about landscaping? Who cares about corporate deadlines? Not you. As a matter of fact, neither does Deborah. With the new Fuego Flamethrower, all of your out of reach problems will taste the hellfire of your displeasure. How does it work? Well, it looks like a ghetto-rigged leaf blower powered by a nuclear oven strapped to your back, so just point and click? Deborah's brisk at the Christmas party is always dry, so show Deborah what dry really means. The Fuego Flamethrower, because Fuego understands fire. Okay, you are tuned in to Yokai Radio, where I, DJ Antihero, and my friend Gurnbuster are going to be talking tokusatsu today. We sure are. Just going to be doing a natural talking session, no scripted points today, about uh, the aforementioned title, or subject. Genre, yeah, I'll let my friend go first in blabbing about some stuff that he's been watching lately. Oh, well, I did just finish uh, Gridman the Hyper Agent. Very fun time. Tell our audience a bit about Gridman for those who are unaware. Okay, well, well, let's so... start with let's start with what Tokusatsu is, because most people do actually know what it is, but aren't aware that they know what it is, right? It's technically anything where there are actors wearing suits to turn them into other characters. Right, right. And not just costumes, but like, if, if someone is dressed up as a kaiju, or an alien, or, uh, Power Rangers count so long as the helmet covers their face. Hmm. Is there a Power Rangers where the helmet doesn't cover their face? Uh, no. Although there are some tokusatsu, like, characters, series, whatever. Like, there's an old-school common Rider where the lower half of his face is showing, like Batman. I uh, don't know which one that is, but I, I am aware that that is one of the mask designs. That is probably, that, that is not probably, definitely, the thing I'm going to be talking about is common Rider. But go on, now that we've identified what the genre is and given a prime example, which is... Power Rangers. Go on about Gridman now. Uh, so it's produced by uh, Tsuburaya Productions uh, back in 92 to 93. Old and production. they're the same yeah, they're the same people who make, produce, did and still do the Ultraman <clears throat> franchise. And Gridman was sort of the new Ultraman for viewers of the computer age. Okay. The plot was, and character were bi are basically like a straight one-to-one -one of Ultraman. Instead of being a police officer from the world of light, Gridman is a hyper agent from Hyperworld. Instead of, uh, no, not even instead of, he ended up on Earth chasing a criminal, same as Ultraman. 
He merges with the main character to transform for plot reasons, same as Ultraman. The big difference, other than, you know, the setting of the the dawn of the computer age in the 90s, is the fact that there is an overarching plot with a main villain, but it's still like a very monster of the week kind of thing, and not many episodes actually advance the plot. Hmm. Okay, okay. So you keep comparing Gridman to Ultraman, saying that it's a, uh, like a spiritual sequel. I, of course, watched Gridman with you, so I know that, but for the audience, why don't you explain a bit about Ultraman? Uh, well, specifically, the Gridman you watched with me was the anime, which is a reimagining of the old Toku series. Oh, so you watched the old Toku series, the old live-action Gridman. Yeah. Okay, so we, we talked about that the other day. Okay, so I'm no, I'm constantly getting it confused because there's so many different iterations of Ultraman and Gridman, so I I uh, I always no, get it confused. Only the two Gridmen. Oh, I was under the impression that you watched the original Ultraman. I did do that. I did that uh, a year and a half ago. Two years. Okay, so you watch the original Ultraman, and then you watch the original Gridman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cleared up. Because I wanted the, the context. Alright. Oh, also, because I uh, got the Gridman Blu-ray, I just watched um, Ultraman on Tokushoutsu. Ah. And uh, they did actually get Gridman uh, <laughs> the day after my DVD or Blu-ray came in the mail. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine. Just could have saved I, your I, money I, and watched it on a free streaming service. I could have, but I I like having a physical copy of things that I like. So you know, that's the collector in you. That's the nerd in you. Yeah. And besides, uh, Tokushoutsu is free, which is fucking dope. But uh, you can't like watch it on a fucking portable on a Greyhound bus trip like you can with a DVD. That's, or a Blu-ray. That's true. Do you have a portable DVD player? Or wait, laptop. Duh, that's a portable DVD player. I, uh, I don't currently have a laptop, but uh, let's see. OG Ultraman. So, fun fact. Ultraman is obviously the first Ultraman series, but it's the second Ultra series. Oh? Uh, the original was a series called Ultra Q, the Q standing for question, and it was basically just Japan's answer to the Twilight Zone. Uh, mm. None of the episodes had any relation to each other. A lot of times there weren't even recurring characters. It was just interesting mystery thriller things happen type uh, variety show like uh, oh my brain just turned off Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone yeah and uh, Ultraman the second series was literally the exact same format but Ultraman is there hmm is he there to like battle whatever Twilight Zone nonsense is happening at the current moment well specifically they always made sure each episode had a kaiju so that he could fight it. Mm. But it was still very much the 
uh, episodic mystery series with no real overarching plot. And uh, due to that, the quality of any given episode varies, with some of them being pretty forgettable, and then others, like episode 2, in fact, the first one to have Alien Balfan being just really damn good. Uh-huh. But, uh, in general, um, uh, the main cast are, I can't remember any of the characters' names, it's been too long, but they're part of, like, a special investigation team, because, uh, in the setting, it is a known thing that paranormal or supernatural or whatever type things happen, and even prior to Ultraman coming to Earth, Kaiju were a thing, and it was these people's job to deal with stuff like that. Okay. And just due to due to the fact that they were dealing with the weird shit happening in the first episode, they encountered Ultraman, and that's how the plot kicks off. I or rather, see. Theories. And so that okay, I get it now. And so and, have you and, go on. Uh, the, the first episode is a couple of balls of light descend from the sky into a, a lake. And, of course, uh, our main crew gets sent out to investigate because, hey, guys who we literally pay to investigate weird shit, there is weird shit. And they go there, and um, there is uh, their uh, personal private investigation jet because they have, like, an infinite budget, mm. uh, collides with the kaiju in midair, and the uh, main guy is literally about to die. So the other ball of light flies into him, and he hears a voice saying, hey, I'm Ultraman, uh, this is kind of my fault, and I don't want to see you die because of something I did, so I'm possessing your body so you don't die. The, the fusion in Ultraman 1 is not because Ultraman needs a host, it's to save a guy he accidentally crashed his interdimensional light ball into. Oh, okay, so that, that established him to be more of a hero than just an accidental happenstance. Yeah. He was pursuing this kaiju, which just happened to have the ability to also wrap itself in a ball of light and fly planet to planet. Coincidence. Yeah. And he just happened to end up on Earth, which is lucky because, as stated before, uh, the main characters deal with both paranormal stuff and uh, with kaiju. Because Earth just happens to be a place where kaiju occur naturally very frequently. Understood. Is there, uh, any other setting in Gridman besides Earth and, uh, you know, the, not the hyperworld, because, yeah, computer world? Since you say kaiju occur on Earth naturally, is there a different setting than Earth and the computer world? Uh, well, see, Gridman is not, it's its own independent thing. It's not connected to any of the Ultra shows at all. Oh, okay. But we don't get to see, like, the hyper world that Gridman came from? No. Or, or learn where any of these interdimensional 
kaiju or space kaiju come from specifically? Oh, uh, aside from Anacillus, which is an inherent denizen of the computer world, every single kaiju is designed by the antagonist Takashi in a 3D modeling program on his computer, and then animated into a living data being by the main villain, Tan Dijiver. Oh, okay. The only single one that isn't made by hand by the villains is Anacillus. And he, they just, Anacillus just lives there, naturally. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, 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 gotcha. And that's interesting, because it establishes that uh, data beings, kind of like, I would compare to Digimon, basically, just exist ambiently in the computer world, but Anacillus is the only one we ever see, which is kind of weird. Hmm. And Maybe. for reference, uh, Ridman is not a originally a data being, nor is Tom Digifer. They're just both capable of going between dimensional boundaries, so they travel into the computer world. Ah. And the reason Gridman needs to merge with someone is because in order to enter the computer world, he becomes pure data that doesn't have a solid body like a data Okay. And that's why he fuses with junk. Uh, junk in, in the, uh, old Toku series is actually just a pet project that the main trio of kids are building in, uh, main, main character Naoto's fucking basement in their spare time, because they're, all three of them are computer geeks. Hmm. Okay. And they call it the junk Yeah, a, a, a cop chasing a terrorist, yeah. And they both uh, travel to Earth, and uh, Tan Digifer ends up in Takashi's computer because Takashi's wicked, angry heart called out to him. Uh, in this case, uh, he's causing trouble at the local hospital to harass Naoto. Mm -hmm. But it also happens that Naoto's little brother is... Um, in the hospital for an appendectomy and now there's like an immediate risk to his life and health so Gridman manifests into junk specifically into response of the call from Naoto's heart to want to save his little brother Aww. specifically the main character has what Gridman determined was the heart of a hero okay Okay. So he did seek him out deliberately. Ending uh, up on Earth was a coincidence, but pairing up with Naoto was intentional. Okay, gotcha. Understood. Well, we are going to take a short break while the audience listens to some righteous lo-fi beats. 
You are listening to Yokai Radio with me, DJ Antihero, and my friend Gurnbuster. Talk to you soon. Are you a yokai that needs a break from trying to blend into human society? Tired of hunting and or luring prey back to your domain? Come stay with us at Katekare Chinomori. Katekake Chinomori is a luxury hotel and spa located right in the middle of the bloody forest that will present you with amenities that you simply won't find in the human world. Feel like yourself again as you stretch your inhuman ligaments in our freeform yokai-only hotel areas guarded by our Kara security force. Feel the sun as you relax poolside by fellow yokai and some unknowing humans who happen to wander past the perimeter. Take a nature walk through the hemo trees and feel the crunch of bleached bones and red leaves under your talons. Converse with similar yokai on your hotel floor thanks to our expert feature fitters at the check-in desk. Listen to our yokai radio Play soothing lo-fi beats and otaku news all throughout the hotel grounds. Locate us physically by wandering around aimlessly until you find us. Locate us digitally on Spotify under Yokai Radio. Yokai Radio and Katekake Chinomori. Otaku treats and lo-fi beats. everyone you're listening to yokai radio we're talking tokusatsu today with gurren buster on discord takusatsu takusatsu that could be the name of a recurring segment we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep a pin in that that was a good one there that was supposed to be a bad pun but hey if you liked it i know i do i do indeed takusatsu all right so We've got our first Takusatsu segment with Gurn Buster on Discord. Haha, <laughs> already used it. Boom, it's a thing now. <laughs> and he was talking us off about Gridman and Ultraman. That came out of my mouth. So yeah, keep, I was uh, talking you off. Yeah, cause, so, so yeah, keep talking us off. Well, I've completely forgotten what I was what I was talking about. Right. So basically yeah. yeah. So they basically follow the same episodic formula, although while with OG Ultraman, you've got like some episodes that are kind of like very forgettable, but some that are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh Gridman, the quality is pretty consistently good. Not outstanding, but good. That's good. Because, um, while the monsters do have their effect of, like, they've targeted this instance of something in the computer world, so now things are going haywire in the real world, and the main characters have to deal with it. So it's not exactly the same, but ultimately it does come down to the problem's not solved until Gridman beats up a kaiju. Ah, gotcha. That's, uh, usually how tokusatsu finishes its episodes as a main character beats the hell out of a kaijus in some way, shape, or form. Uh, that is true. And it was interesting, um, not only going between the series, but uh, reading about them as I watched. Um, 
with OG Ultraman, you can see, like, the fight choreography starts off kind of potato. It's mostly just, uh, Ultraman, like, grapples the kaiju, karate chops them in the neck a couple times, and then, like, shoots a beam at them and they die. But it gets better as the series goes, specifically because the suit actor, whose name I cannot remember, was like, hey, if I'm going to be fighting one of these every episode, we should make it look cool. I'm going to start actually learning Muay Thai and incorporating that into the show. And the director was like, yeah, that sounds fantastic. You go ahead and do that. <laughs> Meanwhile, right out of the gate, later Ultra series and Gridman just have fantastic fight choreography, like Gridman grabbing the kaiju's neck and somersaulting over it to kick it in the back, crazy stuff like that. Right. It's very fantastic. Right. And it's really great to, like, see how much influence the suit actor does have in their role. Because, like, you'd think, well, this person doesn't even get to put their face or their name to the role, so there's a good chance that the director just shutting them out of decisions like that. So when when you get to see or hear, oh, yeah, uh, he did all of the... Once we got to the scene, we just told him, yeah, do your thing. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed... Uh... When I'm watching Common Rider, I do research because, you know, I can multitask. It's not too hard to be able to pull up two internet browser windows at the same time. Yes, it is. Oh, oh, I'm sorry for your disability. But, uh... <laughs> it's hard for me to read the subtitles while I'm looking at the other tab. Fair, fair. <laughs> I rescind my roast. <laughs> but, uh... Watching things and it, it it's an art form i guess if, if that's the case and, and i have perfected my brush stroke so while i'm sitting there watching and reading subtitles i'm doing a bit googling and most of the if not all from what i can tell of the common writer suit actors are well known or more well known than the actual actors that are supposed to be them like, the actors that play the common Riders are less known because they're... Because the actor is usually recurring. Like... Yeah. Some of the actors in Kamen Rider Zero One, some of the suit actors are the suit actors in Kamen Rider Saber, from what I believe. Yeah, the guy with the mask doing the fighting is, uh... Is There's of, only is like a, a handful yeah. of them because they're so professional at what they do that they're just like, well, since you don't have a face with the mask on, why don't we, we have just our give you a different mask for the show? Yeah, and keep you around. I I love that. It's like, like yeah, there's a like lot job of job security. Uh, and there's a lot of cross pollination. I guess is the word I would use between. Uh, Common Rider and Sentai suit actors. Yeah. And even with uh, kaiju movie suit actors. You just really need someone with a set skill list and the same body type and then just put them in a fucking suit and have them do things. And that's, yeah. that's great that that's like 
what would you even call that advanced stunt manery or like it's it's literally just being stunt a stunt man with a mask mm, yeah it's superman but he's got a helmet that covers his face yeah instead of like some dude who looks like Keanu Reeves playing Neo is just a guy in a costume that has that's really fucking good at what he does. Yeah. And you can really like identify suit actors by like the the types of moves. I have not been able to they pick, like to do. I have not been able to pick that up just yet. It takes a lot of watching. But like uh Late last year, I watched the uh, year two of uh, Kaiju Masterclass. They streamed that online. And one of the suit actors for uh, Godzilla was talking about how... Uh, our, I don't know if he was Godzilla. He was uh, one of the Toho monsters. He was like, oh yeah, I actually got into the role of doing Toho uh kaiju suit work because I've been a common writer several times. Oh, that is so fucking cool. Yeah. As well as a couple of Sentai Rangers. Although, uh, with, um, oh, what was, how was, uh, how was it phrased? Uh, Sentai Rangers are more in demand because you have to have more of them. But with common writers, there's a specific, like, sort of pedigree to the kind of stunt work you do that they're looking for. Mm. So, like, for newer actors to become a common writer, they generally do some Super Sentai first, and if they're good at that, they'll be like, hey, you want to do common writer? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because being a kaiju wouldn't revolve around so many flips and spins and holding a toy weapon. Yeah, Kaiju suit acting is very different sometimes. It depends on, like, the monster you are. Like, there's a Toho monster called King Caesar who just it, it stands upright, is two arms, two legs, basically the same as normal suit work. But if you're something like, say... Uh, I don't know, Angiris. You're crawling around on all fours. You have to, like, crane your neck to do roars and stuff. It's a completely different skill set. Mm. Skill set of being a fucking beast. <laughs> being an aminal. <laughs> aminal. Animal. Animal. But yeah, I can I can see that of it's being a completely different skill set that a, a a Toku ranger or rider would not have. Yeah. Like like they, that that would possibly even hurt them being the stunt man of doing flips and kicks and punches, but then all of a sudden, you know, you got to be on all fours like you said, craning your neck around. You, know, you, yeah, you develop and certain while muscles to fight, not certain muscles to, like, walk around weird. Yeah, and it's, it's always, like, a super big honor to be the guy who gets to wear the Godzilla suit. But mm. it's also one of the easier roles, because Godzilla stands upright and does, like, kicks and claw swipes that aren't, like, very 
movement intensive. Like, wearing the suit in general is kind of hard, because it's heavy and it's stuffy, although it's gotten better over the years. Mm. I, I still remember reading about uh, one of the old suits fucking catching on fire with the suit actor in it. That oh shit's scary. Yeah, because it has, uh, in order to support the weight, there's some, like, pneumatic pipes in the suit to keep it upright so it doesn't collapse in and crush the suit actor. And one of those cracked and a spark came out and ignited the inside of the suit. Good gravy. And the newer suits are made of much better, lighter composite materials. So that doesn't really happen. Okay. Thank goodness. Oof. But it's still, like, crazy to hear stories like that. Like, my god. Yeah. The fucking roller coaster you just painted. Oh. But, uh. Oof. No. Yeah, <laughs> I've been watching, um. Common Rider lately, and I went back and watched the very, very first Common Rider that, uh, aired more than 50 years ago now. And I fucking fell in love with it, and from watching the original, I can kind of, like, judge what the other was are supposed to be and not supposed to be and from the well that only extends to any given uh era i would say like i'm sure you've heard the terms showa heisei oh definitely i i know that uh there are different common writers in different eras different periods of japanese history and that and uh... they tend to have a sort of different tone based on when they were made. Like, old exactly. Common Rider is not going to be the same as new Common Rider, just inherently. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. But what I'm trying to gauge at is the... Oh, sorry. ...idea about... No, no, you're good. No, you're, you brought up a really good point. You brought up a really good point that is synonymous to what I'm saying. What I'm trying to get at is the, like, the inherent yeah, I'm, I'm heroism... No, you're fine. You're fine. You're the you're the guest and analyst. Then I, I do it again to apologize. <laughs> you're fine. It it's all gravy today. Talk over you so I can apologize for talking over you. <laughs> uh. All I'm trying to get at is the uh, the the heroism behind the common rider. It's it's all yeah. what you brought up is a very good point and their delivery or their tone is going to be very different from each other, but they're all supposed to be heroes. Yeah. And the thing I'm noticing is from what I'm noticing in this era is that not a lot of common writers go out of their way to save the common folk. I may be wrong about that, but I think this era started if I'm uh if I did my research right before this, I don't know, I could uh do some editing later on, but uh, this era started with Common Rider Zero One, so I started with Common Rider Zero One, and Common Rider Zero One helped out a fuck ton of normal people. Like not just like by monster rights, he he stopped and helped them with their personal problems, and, and I, wow. I, I I fucking loved that. 
and then I watched Kamen Rider Saber, and it was good, and I'm not upset at their, what they did, but they were all in their own ass about only defeating the monster to save humanity instead of, like, what attract, what may have attracted the monster to the human or what may have turned the human into a monster. Ah. And again, I think that's a, a point that's going to come across, not due to the time period, but just due to which series you're watching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's that's the that's what I'm judging them on, though, is their heroism towards the everyday life. Ah, uh, yeah. Because that's a big thing in the few toku shows I've watched. Uh, OG Ultraman had a lot of that. Like, as I was saying, due to its episodic nature, certain episodes are just drastically better or worse than others. Uh, one that I would say is almost inarguably the best one is um, the monster uh, appears from space, and uh, we learn that he is a mutated human from a space mission that was believed lost, and when it was believed it was lost, the uh, government, the Japanese equivalent to their, of NASA, their space association, just gave up on it and ditched them. Oh. So he's trapped up in space with no help because they've just given up on him, and eventually the space radiation turns him into a kaiju. Right. And it's this big thing that it's like, is it right to just kill this kaiju that used to be a man? And one of the characters, the character who is sometimes the inventor and sometimes the comic relief, uh, is having like a complete emotional breakdown because, no, we're supposed to protect humans and we're, we're just going to kill this guy due to something outside of his control. And worse than that, he's part of the space division which were basically our the, the people who came before us the uh, parascience division that's our senpai that we're just going to throw Ultraman at and kill that's fucked up right yeah and, that, and that's exactly what I meant when I said the, 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 the everyday life I love when the heroes do take an interest and notice in the everyday struggle of what they're fucking going through. Instead of just, oh, I'm the disconnected hero. Boop, bop, boop, bad guy's gone, bye, zoom. That's, that's lame. Zoom. Like, we want to know, yes, we know about the hero struggle once they take off the mask, but we want the hero, while wearing the mask, to take an interest in the survivor's struggle. Don't just save the day, give them a fucking, you know, receipt for how much damages you've caused and then fly away. Hmm. But that's just me. That's just me and the things I want from my tokusatsu. Uh, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> We've spent about an equivalent time on the first segment. So thank you, Gurren Buster, for sitting down with me for the few minutes that you did of your precious schedule. Appreciate <laughs> it. My 
always open schedule because I don't do shit. <laughs> and thank you listeners for tuning in to Yokai Radio. We'll catch you on the next episode. Trying to cook those s'mores outside. Does your pet not respect your dominance? Is the Fuego brand flamethrower too damn big? New from Ignis Industries, the Spark Spritzer. It has two modes, Stun and Grill, both self-explanatory. And with a small sliver of magic dragonstone, instead of some heavy-ass nuclear reactor, you'll be starting fires in no time. Who has time for s'more seconds? You do. Who stops Spot from spraying the rug again? You do. Who has time to talk seriously sassy shit? You do. Your friends do not. The Spark Spritzer by Ignis Industries. Because everyone understands fire. <laughs>